0: Is there something you're always thinking about that you wish you were doing?
1: I'd always rather be drinking wine, (laughs) sitting down, but for work it would be (laughs) photography. That's what I always want to be doing and I would be happy if I did that every day.
0: Or drinking wine every day.
1: Or drinking wine, and I can do both by taking photos during the day and drinking wine at night.
0: This is what goes through your mind every day. Yes,
1: I'm a very deep thinker.
0: I think I'm in a place right now where I have no idea yeah I think like years and years ago I just wanted to be in New York like that was my th- my thing like <clears throat> whenever I was like bored or whatever daydreaming yeah I just wish I was in New York like I wish I was in New York and now that's like done I wish I had something like that that I'm so certain about but I really don't and I find that like I struggle with that a lot
1: or it could be freeing I suppose as well
0: yeah I mean it could could be like I need to be open to whatever might come my way I guess yeah it's
1: interesting hearing this week's interview because she knew exactly what she wanted to do the whole time and actually is doing it really successfully yeah she's writing and is a writer who has just
0: sold one of her stories yep that's right so this week we're talking to Asia Gable who is a writer and it was really interesting talking to her because writing is something that she's just always done she's always loved it and I I don't think she necessarily thought about it in a way of like oh I, I wish I was doing that I mean she, she does say that a bit but I, I'm trying I guess I'm trying to say that it's just something she has always done and has always loved it's almost like second nature you're like oh well i guess i'll just write you know and she's been doing that since she was a kid and now she's in a place of like sustaining herself she like went to school she did a phd uh in literature and yeah she just freaking sold a book that's um you can get it on amazon you can pre-order it on amazon it's going to be live next year yeah it just blows my mind when people kind of do something consistently and they just do it because they love it so much and then it, it almost like things come to them and things support them to be able to continue doing that I think that's, yeah yeah it's really interesting especially being somebody who is definitely not in that mindset of like oh well, I guess I'll just do this and because I love it you know
1: it is difficult to do something that you love especially when you have i mean and she has a day job a lot of the time when she was writing to find the energy it's almost like it was second nature to her it wasn't a struggle to then finish work and go and write And that seems to be the big difference in why she's so successful and what she does
0: yeah actually you bring up a really good point and that it reminds me of this uh graffiti artist we interviewed for bird jules muck who is the same way she's a graffiti artist but yeah like whenever she's not doing something specific she's doing painting right so i kind of assume yeah. age is the same way whenever she's not doing something she's writing which is so nice well yeah i'll come home and i'm like i'm tired i'm just gonna like put on netflix yeah me too
1: and listening to a writer is fascinating to me because i struggle to write a two-line email like, uh, like writing is just every word that comes out of my mouth is a struggle in uh, terms of putting it into an email or on a page so i'm always fascinated to hear i'm a the tel- yeah. processes
0: i agree i'm a terrible writer and also i have a very limited vocabulary like even when i'm reading harry potter i think like every third word i'm like checking the because so i'm like what the fuck is this i
1: think you could make a word cloud of our texts and it would be like best dude yeah. thanks
0: emojis <laughs> Yeah. And, a,
1: and bird emojis and a thumbs up, and that's probably ninety nine percent of our texting. I am
0: just cutting and pasting text to you. Oh,
1: excellent! <laughs> I didn't notice.
0: <laughs> um, okay, cool. Yeah, so let's go into our interview with Asia. Like you said, she goes really in deep on her creative process as a writer, which is super interesting. Um, but then we take a little bit of a turn, and we kind of get a bit more inside Asia's head about life and her perspective on it in general. So, hope you enjoy it. I want to start with writing, obviously, and talk a little bit about your schooling, which kind of fascinates me, because you did a bachelor's, right? Yes.
2: I got all of the degrees. Yeah. So I got a BA at Wesleyan. Well, I got it in English, and I did my thesis in creative writing. And then I I always wrote, but I didn't know that that was like a thing you could do for a career. So I thought I was going to be an arts administrator, like someone who worked in the arts and who worked in an office. And so I went and interned at the National Endowment for the Arts. And then I got a job, like an entry level job there after college. And I just kept writing and an old mentor contacted me, or we had been in touch and he said, well, why don't you apply to MFA programs? And I was like, what's an MFA program? What is an MFA program? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a graduate degree. It differs from school to school, but some of them are purely studio programs where you just learn to write, you just take writing courses. Some of them are super academic, so you take a lot of graduate-level literature courses and you teach and and you also write. I applied to a bunch of them, and the one that I ended up going to is the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, and then I don't know what I thought I was going to do after that. I waited tables in charlottesville like i tra- i wrote, published a bunch of stories and i think because i didn't know what else to do i there's a new thing called a phd in creative writing and i was like well i guess i should continue to get as much of this writing stuff schooling as i can went to the university of houston which was um, where i got my phd and that's a phd in english literature and creative writing So, you do a lot of academic work, but you also do a lot of creative writing work, and then you also teach a lot, like every kind of course at undergrad, and then you are qualified to apply to
0: become a professor. So, then that in-between phase, before you did your PhD, were you thinking, okay, that art, the idea of the art administration, that's gone out the window? Um...
2: Yes. I knew I wanted to be a writer, and I think I was just trying to figure out how to do that. For a while, I thought, well, maybe I'll just like wait tables in Maine forever. And sounds so romantic. I know. <laughs> that probably also is miserable in real life. Um, <laughs> yeah, that went out the window because, I mean, working at the NEA was great, but it was it's really, really sort of tedious to do office work all the time, when you, you know, feel like you want to do something
0: creative, so. I'm terrible at writing, so I always, like, admire people who can write well, but that you dedicated so much of your 20s, I guess, to that, specifically, like, is it, because there's something about it that, just, like, whenever you're doing anything to do with writing or literature, you just really love it, or, what is that draw to it? I
2: never loved anything as purely as I do writing. I've written since I was, since I could write. I had written stories and notebooks since I was a little, little kid. And then I just didn't know it was a job, like a, a profession or a career until very, very late. So it took me a while to figure out like how to do that. So that's why I kept going to school and like trying to figure it out. But I, I just always want to do that. Like whenever I'm doing something else, um,
0: I think I'd always rather be writing. And when you say writing, you mean like you and your uh, stories and your ideas. Yeah. Writing.
2: Yeah. Like writing short a short story, writing an essay, working on a novel, all of that stuff. It's like that is what I'd rather be doing all the time. Do you have something like that?
0: Yeah, I do, I think, but they're not things that you could make money out of. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, sustaining. writing kind of
2: almost isn't, but if you do it the right way, you can.
0: But you've had pretty amazing last couple of years in terms of writing. Yeah, I feel
2: lucky. I guess two years ago, I've sold my novel, which is just, first of all, it's like hard to write a novel. Just anyone who has written or completed a novel deserves an award. It's really, really hard to sustain a story for like hundreds of pages and make it make sense and have it be interesting so I sold it well got an agent dumped an agent
0: got a new agent sold it so and that was something you self-initiated the agent getting an agent
2: well <laughs> the first agent I got I got because I went to this writing conference in Tennessee and they were there and like scouting people and then they signed me there and then that just ended up not working out with that agent when you publish short stories in journals, agents will reach out to you like they read journals and they say, if "You're no on representation. I'd like to represent you." And I got a few of those emails over the years and so I just pulled an old one that I had gotten, and emailed her and was like, "I think I'm going to switch agents. Like, do you want to talk?" And then we talked and I loved her. Mm. I think I got her in January, February of 2015 and in May we sold it.
1: Wait, What? That's Super fast. fast.
2: She just had a couple changes she wanted me to make to the manuscript, and then we went out at the beginning of May, and like two weeks later, we had sold it to Riverhead, which is like a dream. That's crazy. Yeah, I
0: know. Was that just like this surreal, like, what is happening moment?
2: Yeah. I like didn't sleep for a week, because there's a whole period where they're like reading it, and then thinking about making an offer, and then there's offers that are made, and it's really intense, but it was really surreal, because a lot of times it doesn't work that way, like of times you go out and try to sell a book and no one buys it and then you have to rewrite it and then you do it again. And What does it mean that you sold it? Well, an editor at this publisher bought it and she and I work together to edit it, make it the best that it can be, and then it goes through all kinds of processes like copy editing and cover design and typesetting. And Right now we're in the cover design phase and then it'll come out May 15th,
0: 2018. You can be pre-order now. You can, can pre-order, <laughs> yes. It's called The Ensemble. And how, about that story specifically, like, yeah. how much of you is in that?
2: I mean, I grew up playing the cello.
0: And the story's about a string quartet.
2: So, I obviously have never been in a professional string quartet, but I've studied with professional string quartets. And I just loved that dynamic. So, there are two female characters There are four characters total, but there's two female characters. And I think
0: I'm on a little bit of both of them. And is this something that was just, like, brewing for ages?
2: Oh, so what happened was in my first year of my PhD, a teacher said, okay, you guys have to propose a novel. And I was like, I've never uh, thought about writing a novel. So we had to write, like, three pages on, like, who the characters are and what they would do. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I know about enough to write 300 pages about? And the only thing I think I could think of that I was sort of an expert on was um, classical music and music so I just proposed this stupid, it was like a very awful proposal uh, super cheesy about these characters and what they did And I kept that proposal and then like a few years later when I was ready to write a novel I was like oh maybe there's something here and so I went back to that and, and used it to start and then failed several times but. what do you mean you failed like i wrote the first 100
0: pages i think three times it's totally scrapped each time you know there, there was that sort of demise of bookstores for a while yeah do you think that'll ever really go away hmm i
2: don't know i mean amazon's doing a lot <laughs> um i hope not because there's something really personal about going into something like skylight and seeing what these, like, real humans behind the desk like, and then picking it up and holding it in your hands. I mean, I have a Kindle, obviously, but I still really
0: love reading real books, too. Whenever I'm in a bookstore or a library, it just blows my mind, the quantity of books. I know. It's like, where are they coming from? How many stories are there to tell? <laughs> I know. And it, I just, oh, I always have this feeling that, like, whatever book I'm going to pick up, there's just going to be some gold in it. It's not always the case, obviously, but mm-hmm. there's this excitement to be like, even if it's like side of the road, here's a dollar a book, I'm like, oh, there's got to be something here yeah. that's worth reading. Yeah. So then what about your day-to-day work? You're a copywriter at oh, an yeah. agency, <laughs> yeah, a digital agency. How different is that process?
2: The way I've described it is that, so when you sit down to write, you discover what you're writing about. There's no deliverable you're working towards except maybe a story or a book. Mm -hmm. But when you are working in an agency life, you kind of work backwards from a goal. Like you need the audience to buy this thing. Or you need them to understand that the brand cares about millennials. And so you work backwards to get to the story. So I never think that way when I'm writing. I never think I want people to
0: cry when she does this thing. When you went into copywriting, did you sort of go in naively? Being, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Totally. I was like, oh, this is going to be like writing silly
2: commercials. And, you know, there's a part of it that's like that, but there's a part of it that's like very strategic. I had to learn how to be that way.
0: I <laughs> want to take a step back from work a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about your just yourself. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things that I was thinking earlier was What do you know now that you didn't at 20?
2: The main difference with me in almost every aspect of my life is I am much more confident in what I know I can do, in my opinions. And maybe that comes from just having more experience, but when I was 20 till probably I was like almost 30, I was afraid that people would think I was stupid was so hard for me to speak in class and now like I know I'm a good writer and I know that I don't know everything but I know that I have ideas and that it's okay if they're not a hundred percent finished or formed and that is like such a relief I can't believe I spent so long being so brave that people think I was dumb most of the time people aren't thinking about you anyway like especially in like in, or in like a pitch room or something, and you do this really well, but I've become more confident at just like throwing things out there or thinking out loud. Also, men do that all the time and women don't.
0: Was there a transition from when you were younger, like your teenagers? Were you like that in your teenagers yeah. as well? Yeah, I think I was always taught to be
2: like very respectful of authority and that, that in my mind just kind of translated to like don't challenge anyone mm-hmm. and don't be controversial or whatever so I think once I started publishing stories and I and was like oh those are my private thoughts and people like them and think they're valuable it helped give me confidence in like knowing that probably there were some other valuable parts of my Brain.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there is a transition period where especially in your twenties, it's very much on the response you're getting from people. Yeah. And how you're fitting in with <clears throat> the groups that you're hanging out with or work and whatnot. And then I for me, I don't know what it is, but it's just this sort of like, Oh, I can't be bothered anymore. So now it's a little bit about me and what do I like? Yeah. And what do I feel like doing rather than oh, does that person want that? Yeah. I always had a very hard time saying no to anything. Or do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Or could you help me with this? Sure, sure, sure. And now I can confidently be like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. Or, no, I'm busy. And not feel bad about it.
2: Yeah, like that's my time, my place. Yeah. yeah. Though I just said, like, I'm confident in my opinions. Like, I still... I'm constantly second-guessing myself. I now just make the effort to speak up, but there's that inner voice that's like, maybe it's not, maybe you're not, maybe you are being stupid. I think that'll be something to work on for a long time. And that's okay. In the last, I would say five years, I've been working on being more comfortable being alone. And that's probably related to like, confidence thing too but I think I've gotten better at it just like living alone and doing things alone traveling alone which I've done a little bit and I'm about to do more so I think that is a valuable skill that a lot of people don't have
0: because it's really hard to learn that's a huge one and I think especially traveling alone is such a challenge it kind of makes me sad how many people I know who have never done that I just feel like it's so important to get to know who you are and put yourself in situations where a part of you might come out that you didn't know existed or you've yeah. scared existed that's what because so that's what
2: you were saying about like
0: getting to know who you
2: are and when you know who you are that's how you can say I don't want to do that thing or I do want to do that thing or I'm not gonna speak to anyone for 24 hours because I need to like read this book and I want to read it. Whatever it is you want to do comes from being able to know what you want to do and you only know what you want to do if you have spent time with yourself. And I think especially traveling alone really does that because you have the language issue, you have the unfamiliarity issue, and then you really, every single minute, you have to decide what you want to do, and only you are the person who affects that decision.
0: So it's super helpful. And there is, like you were saying earlier, there is an element that's so scary about it, not just traveling alone, but the whole living alone thing or being alone, you know, I've definitely experienced that in my life, like moving around a lot on my own. And it can really kind of take over you and it does affect your confidence as well. Yeah. And it's like, I get feedback going, yeah, but you've moved all these places and you've done all these things on your own. In my mind, it's like, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I did it on my own and it can be really, really stifling as well. But I think it's also one of those things that, At the time, you don't see. Yeah. And then in retrospect, you're like, holy shit. Like, I did a lot. Yeah. People don't do. Somebody once said this to me, somebody who was in a long-term relationship, and they said, as soon as you meet somebody, your self-growth diminishes significantly, and you start growing with this other person. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are so right, because... You don't have that time to reflect and get to and you know really get to know yourself or make start making those decisions on your own that yeah. affect you, and that kind of scared me a little bit. Where and it sort of encouraged me to continue my own self growth before yeah. I met somebody. Yeah. Oh, I never thought of that, but that's very, very accurate. When I look at when I was 20 and where I am now, I'm a completely different person, or very much a different person. I just wouldn't have. Had grown like that if I was still with somebody yeah definitely and
2: I think you know people say you you did, you moved so many places or you did all, you moved away from home or across the world and you and you think oh that's not you know that doesn't matter it was still hard and terrifying but like a lot, the thing is a lot of people don't even take that chance probably it's hard when you're in a relationship to do something like that first of all Second of all, even if you are alone, it's terrifying. It's terrifying and people are controlled by that. In a way, we're lucky to get to have that time. So when you were like 18, did you have this like story in your head of like, well, I'm gonna be married by X and have children? I did too, and I think yeah. that's so funny. The ages that oh, I yeah. thought I would do things. Oh totally, mine was twenty seven. Mine was twenty six. Uh, <laughs> and then you think about who you are when you're twenty six. Right. You still don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I've changed a lot since twenty six, oh, yeah. also, and I'll probably continue to change. So it's kind of crazy to think like I'll be married by 26, first baby by twenty nine. Yeah, totally. like that's crazy of us. Like, how does that get put in our heads? Those narratives. It's kind of frightening.
0: It is frightening. God, I was a mess at twenty six. 26, <laughs> shit, yeah. And I'm so glad I was like, yeah. not having a kid. Yeah. Or something like that. So then, okay, another like super existential question, oh which I don't even know how to answer. Why do you think we're here? Who, like, on this couch right now? Yeah. <laughs> is it on this in this world, hmm. in this universe?
2: There are like so many ways to answer that question.
0: Well, first of all,
2: I don't think that we're special. Like I think there's probably other people or organisms or whatever somewhere else doing something too. So I'm kind of like a believer in science that like we just kind of lucked out and like evolved this way. And we're super lucky to be born into this state. But a more spiritual answer? I'm not sure I have one. And I think that's kind of freeing. Like, if there is no spiritual answer to, like, why we're here, in a way, like, if it's not predestined or, like, controlled by some outside force, then you're just, like, really fucking lucky. And you have to just appreciate everything that you have and every moment that you have because there isn't, like, some, I don't know, some grander narrative that you fit into. It's just kind of, like, right here, right now what's the best piece of advice you could give so when I was like a junior in college I think my brother passed away my oldest sure. brother and I was in a writing class with um, a person who later became my mentor Alexander Chi, who's a writer and he you know I'd taken a leave to go home for a little bit and came back and I didn't know what to write or how to write it and what I was supposed to write for his class. And so I was struggling and I wrote like some story about something, I don't even remember what it was. And I handed it in to him and he read it. And he, he took me on this walk and he was like, this story is good, but do you really care about it? Is it really what you want to write? And I was like, well, no, all I think about is like how sad I am and my brother and, not, and but I can't write about that. And he was like, why don't you just write what you really want to write and just see what happens. And that changed. The entire game for me, like it changed how I thought about writing, and I went back and I wrote something that is you know totally embarrassing and I would never want anyone to read, but it like changed it just it it was the first time I wrote super, super authentically and not in any kind of what people what I thought I should be writing or what I was expected to write. I just wrote maybe that's why I love writing because it feels like the place where I can express myself most authentically because he kind of gave me permission to do that he was like well that's like it's just you just write what you want to write Mm -hmm. so every time I'm like stuck on something or I can't figure out how to do it I'll just think like well what do you really want to write just write that
0: that's awesome yeah I think that's a great piece of advice yeah life in general yeah um, I do. did want to ask one question about Bear. Bear is here in the interview with us. He's okay. a gigantic Jack Russell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've had Bear for, what, 10 years? Yeah. Since 10. he was a baby? Mm-hmm. How has he changed your life? <laughs> well,
2: he has given me some stability, that's for sure, because he has to have certain things, mm-hmm. like a place to live <laughs> and to go out three times a day or whatever, so... Even when my life feels chaotic, like the other day I had dental surgery and I felt really sorry for myself, but he had to go out three times a day and it made me have this like routine and like he helps me like make sure that I don't waste away my days.